Episode 9, Jonathan Hensley, Emerge Interactive. Yeah, so one of my favorite uh, mistakes that, that I made very early in, in my career and has been continuing to, I'm still learning lessons from, is... I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Well, hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm your host, Mark Graben, and we're joined today by Jonathan Hensley. He is a co-founder, he is the CEO, and he's also Chief Creative Officer for Emerge Interactive, where he works with clients to transform business strategies, user needs, and new technologies into valuable products and experiences. And he's also the author of a book that's going to be out this fall called Alignment. So we'll have a chance to explore that. Um, a little bit. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. And you always like to sort of jump right into it and and ask you to tell your story about something you would consider to be your favorite mistake. Yeah, so one of my favorite uh, mistakes that that I made very early in in my career and has been continuing to, I'm still learning lessons from, is the mistake of confusing goals for having a clear direction and, and a strategy uh, in whether it be personal or, or in life going forward. And I think goals are, you know, touted as this thing, especially as a young, you know, professional, as an entrepreneur, uh, when you, as you know, you've got to set goals, you've got to have, you know, something that you are reaching for. And goals are fantastic. And, and I'm, you know, I, I set goals all the time, personal and professional goals. Mm-hmm. But I think what is missing in a lot of the conversation around goals is that they do not provide a clear, cohesive vision for where you're going and how you're going to get there. Um, and so I think that, that that's really been impactful. And I early on in, in my career, I really learned that the hard way. Uh, with clients, you know, seeing that both working inside organizations and as well as providing services to whether it be a startup or Fortune 500 company, you know, that goals were being mistaken as strategy and clarity in these projects that we're working on, uh, coming from senior leaders, you know, with decades of more experience than myself. And, you know, I was really leaning on them for those expertise to make sure that we were successful. And some of those projects um, were, were huge failures and really painful uh, to, uh, to overcome as a team uh, and were, were setbacks personally for myself. Um, and then, you know, and even for my company uh, as, as I became an entrepreneur and built an organization myself. So I re- really have come to understand that, that goals are not enough. And uh, I've really tried to apply that now uh, for as I go forward and personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can, can, is there a specific example that you can think of without naming names or anything of, of one of those projects where 
the goal maybe was compelling, but as you were saying, there wasn't a clear enough path for getting there. Um, can you help kind of bring yeah, that I, a little bit? I think, you know, there was one particular project. Uh, this is for a, a global manufacturing company. You know, we had been given a very ambitious project, uh, which everybody was really excited. It, it brought all the different passions of the organization together. You know, we had the, the digital team, the design team, brand, we had, you know, the manufacturing and innovation groups involved. It was it was really exciting work. And what happened was, is because we had goals were being interpreted differently by different functions of the business and different team members, and it wasn't cohesive. The goals were counter to some of the mandates of some of these other parts of the organization. And so without with that confusion, that goal was being seen as a strategy and not understanding that it wasn't answering all of these really critical questions that we all needed as part of the team. And so you started to see expectations being mismanaged, deadlines you know, not being met, uh, conflict between groups across the company, tons and tons of rework happening, trying to catch up and everybody with the best intention. And it was just the cost of that project to come to fruition, which it eventually did. Um, and even though the outward ex external, you know, uh, deliverables of that were successful, I would consider that project a, a, a significant failure. It was a failure in, in leadership. It, it broke down in communication mm -hmm. and it probably cost five to 10 times what it should have. Mm -hmm. And that is is not an uncommon story as i've learned going forward you know lucky I, I, enough for me I, I had the opportunity to experience that fairly early in my career mm -hmm. and that was a very eye-opening lesson mm -hmm. uh, and it was it was easy to there was a lot of it, you know through the process there was a lot of politics a lot of blaming people trying to kind of shield themselves because it wasn't going in a good direction but the no one really stop to say, well, what, what is this goal? We were all looking to that next level of leadership. And since becoming, uh, you know, someone in that senior level leadership now myself mm -hmm. over the last, uh, you know, um, you know, several years, it, I've come to understand even more now how important that lesson was and how difficult it is to overcome that confusion. Yeah. So I think it's 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 nice and clear the way you're sort of laying out you know the goals and then the direction or the path for getting there. An example that comes to mind, you know, I work a lot in healthcare. An organization might have a really important goal such as zero patient harm. That goal, without a clear set of steps forward, runs a risk of just becoming a slogan, um, or you know, without a path for making progress toward that goal, people can get demoralized, if not cynical, about goals like that. Is, is that kind of kind of repeating back a, an example that kind of matches? I, I, I think that's spot on. You know, I had a mentor who articulated that, you know, you know, a lot of times goals have very little substance behind them, mm -hmm. but they have great intention. And I think being able to shift into focusing on substance and really being uh, honest about what it's going to take to achieve that goal, what obstacles you need to overcome. And, you know, that consistency that has to be developed. I mean, it's, it's a muscle, it's a discipline, like, like anything else. And, 
you know, I do, I do a fair amount of work in healthcare as well. And so, you know, I, I think that's a perfect analogy, you know, the, the do no harm or to see, you know, situations where, you know, where there's always this, this mantra in healthcare of, well, it, it's all about the patient. A right. lot of times there's a lot of behavior that is not aligned with patient outcomes. Right. And so, you know, if that is truly your intention and goal, you need to start putting the substance behind that. And that's, that's a harsh thing to say, but I, you know, I can say that as a professional and as a, you know, at a personal level, having, you know, spent, you know, a fair amount of time in and out of, of in medical institutions um, at, at all levels supporting, you know, family and friends. So I've seen it on both sides and it's, it's really critical, especially in healthcare now that they focus on that because there's the efficacy of and care of their patients is, is going to be impacted dramatically by understanding that difference. Yeah. So um, one follow-up question I wanted to ask you, you know, one of our themes here on the podcast is learning from mistakes. And so in, in your work, you know, um, working with clients of Emerge Interactive, how have you taken the lessons learned from, as, as you described, you know, a project that might have been five to 10x more expensive than it needed to be. How do you incorporate those lessons learned in setting up um, current projects um, to, to avoid that, that problem? Sure. I think the, the first and foremost is really making sure that you don't skip the due diligence of, of mapping the current state. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, understanding really diagnosing the problem that you're trying to solve in the project, really understanding what are all of the, what's the approach that you're going to take to solving that problem It you know in a unique and sustainable way that allows you to continue uh, successfully into the future? And what are the actions that need to take place? And I don't mean like the like my, minutia of like, what are all the steps, you know, A, B, C, D. It's, I'm talking about what are the, you know, areas of, of focus, the domains of action that have to happen in order to move forward as an organization. When any one of those things gets skipped, I see that the projects are already set up to not be successful. So we really focus and, you know, lessons learned from, uh, you know, the, that lesson of, of not, goals are, are not enough. Uh, that we, you know, step back and really make sure that we're clear, okay, well, beyond the goal, what's behind it? What do we need to be accounting for? Um, And when you, and when you say a goal too, I think, you know, one thing that's really interesting is it's with stakeholders, you know, on a project of of any size or type, uh, we find the way people interpret success of achieving that goal or how to approach that goal in the context of that is, is really mission critical. Mm-hmm. So we really step back from the very first uh, meeting we go, okay, what's your interpretation of this goal and what does success look like, you know, 12 to 18 months from now. And then we anchor that to the mission of the company and we make sure it's aligned to the actions that they're, they're um, looking to take going forward. If that's not in place, we know we can't move forward until it is. And I, I, I can imagine, I mean, I, from what I've seen in, in my experiences working with clients, um, there, there's often a challenge where, or, you know, a client is in a rush to accomplish something. And the time spent, as you were saying, defining the current state, 
mapping out current processes and, and defining the problem statement and doing stakeholder analysis and all of that can take time that people sometimes feel like, you know, uh, they can't afford. So I'm curious, I'm in, you know, wondering how you, you know, perhaps address that, the need to do the due diligence, as you put it, um, versus the, the, the urgency to solve the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of there's a, a Toyota expression, go slow to go fast. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing I've been taught and I think I've learned is doing that due diligence while it slows things down in the beginning, it allows for much greater acceleration when it's time to move forward. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's, well, the first thing is I always really focus on the question of what's the impact of if this fails? Mm-hmm. I think there's just this kind of fundamental question that you have to ask a stakeholder when they're trying to go fast, what's the cost of failure? Mm-hmm. If there's little to no cost, you know, then, you know, they're not going to probably be willing to slow pump the brakes a little bit and slow down and really go through the steps. I think there's also a challenge that a lot of, uh, leaders, especially in, in my area of, of, you know, digital products and experiences where you're a user of technology, but you, you, you're not a, you know, a provider of that technology. You don't know how it comes to fruition. Um, you might have a general sense of it. So you don't understand the complexities or the interdependencies that are necessary there. And so there's a lot of information out there, like there is in a lot of spaces, which is just noise. And the reality of it is they go, well, we'll, we'll be agile or we'll do it this way or, you know, whatever the you know, thing may be. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that what they're really doing is they're trying to skip steps. And if, if there was a faster, better way to do it, that would be the way everybody would do it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a reason why the steps exist because it's been proven uh, time and time again. And so making sure that you, you know, understand that impact and then making sure that there's a clear understanding of the steps and how that you aren't setting yourself up basically for internal sabotage is critical. And we found in not only our own work, but in over the last two years, um, you know, in researching my book, as an example, one of the key themes that we really focused on talking to product leaders and, uh, you know, business leaders all over the country at businesses of all sizes, those who are the most successful that are outperforming uh, above and beyond the averages in their industry, they understand the importance of doing those steps because it's accelerating team performance and the outcomes. They don't get focused on deliverables. They get focused on outcomes and making impact. And when they can focus on that conversation, it shifts how you start the work to begin with. And when executives and leaders can understand that, they're empowering their teams to do incredible things versus focusing on, on just outputs. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a uh, final question on, you know, goals and direction, you know, as, as CEO of Emerge Interactive, how do you set out goals and then make sure that there is a clear direction for getting there? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, every, businesses, different sizes, has different tools. We really focus on uh, a couple of things. We have a very clear seven-year vision for our company. And we break that down into very clearly defined uh, work streams of what is going to take to achieve that. And we focus, come down from seven years to three years. So if you're familiar with um, Jim Collins and the BHAG and Good to Great, right. you know, he talks about that. That's our, that's our seven-year, you know, target. 
And then we focus on, on a three hag. What's that intermittent, you know, major step that's tangible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the long-term is aspirational. The, the midterm is something that we can tangibly see in front of us now. We know exactly what we're going to need to do to get there. And then what we do is we develop very, very clear work streams on what is going to take and making sure that those impacts are going to move the organization forward. And sometimes we're, you know, we're, we are proven wrong and we need to make adjustments and pivot. You know, we can't, you know, we don't have a crystal ball that sees where the world is going to go. Um, but that allows us to have really proactive, continuous conversations on making sure that we are moving forward. And that's, that is the number one goal that we can move forward cohesively as a company, as a team that, you know, really looks after its employees and cares deeply about them. And, and at the same time, continuing and that's the quality of service and delivery for our clients so all of those things have to be moving together and so we're very intentional about how we manage that and bring that into the forefront and are very transparent with our team about what those things are and when they need to be done by so we have accountability mm-hmm. and like you said none of us had a crystal ball about how 2020 was going to go but even with all of this um, the BHAG the big hairy audacious goal, probably doesn't change. That's looking far enough out into the future where the BHAG is the same, but now direction for all of us is, uh, has changed because of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know our, our vision for our company, our long-term, hasn't changed at all. How we're going to get there with the way 2020 has gone mm-hmm. is definitely evolving. There, I mean, there's no question about it. Um, the needs of our clients are evolving, you know, on a you know daily basis, it feels like right now still. So being able to be, I think there's a, a I'm not going to get it exactly right, but there's a quote uh, that approximately uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, you know, says, you know, we're, we're going to be stubborn on vision, but flexible on, on, you know, on our approach or process. And so, you know, that idea or that concept is something that, that I've seen to be really ring true um, for all types of organizations at any size is you need to be really clear and, you know, be diligent and stay the course on your vision, but know that you're going to have to keep adjusting on how you're going to get there and be adaptable and resilient, which everybody is is being forced to do right now. Yeah, well, that's great advice. And, you know, again, you know, uh, we, we, we encourage resiliency in the face of mistakes of, of learning and evolving and um, continuing to move forward. So I, re- I really like the way you articulated that. Um, again, our guest is um, Jonathan Hensley, CEO of Emerge Interactive. So um, let, let's come back to, to the book. Maybe at one point, was, was that um, a big, hairy, audacious goal of writing a book? Or I'm curious, I, as an author, I always like to know the origin story <laughs> of what leads someone to go through all of the effort that it takes to do a book. Yeah, it definitely was a, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, I have, you know, learned in, uh, a lot, made a lot of mistakes, uh, you know, in, in writing a book. Uh, but what I found is the power of writing a book is the ability to crystallize, in a, you know, and articulate critical thinking that you some of it I had institutionalized from, you know, 20 plus years of work. Right. Some of it really forced me to redefine or codify how I think about certain things. Uh, and I have found it to be an incredibly inspiring and positive process. And for me, being able to interview all it and connect with so many amazing people through the process uh, has, was probably one of the biggest highlights of, of writing the book. So it's been a lot of, lot of fun, but a major task for sure. Yeah. 
And and so the the title is alignment. Do you have a, a subtitle lined up? That yeah, it's a little more. The yeah, the the book is alignment, and it's the one thing that all successful digital products have in common. Ah. So um, who who in your mind is the target audience uh, for the book? Who do you expect to be reading it, and and why? Yeah. So there's there's two major audiences for the book. One are um, business executives, leaders. There is a whole section in the book where we really talk about the new skills of leadership that are necessary for digital leaders. And as organizations are focused on digital transformation, uh, websites are becoming the front door for many organizations as, as they go forward. And no longer are the websites about brochureware. They're literally part of how they deliver their products and services to you know, their customers. So there's some really critical stuff in there that we're hoping, you know, leaders really dive into uh, and that we have seen from some of the best uh, are really uh, leading forward and from the front uh, today. The second group is um, product owners. So product owners can sit in any facet of the organization, but if you're a digital product owner, whether it be a website, a mobile app, an internal business tool, there is critical insight and information that you need to have to be successful in uh, driving the outcomes you want for your product and enabling your organization to thrive. And so we've really focused on those two audiences uh, for the book and really hoping that we can add a lot of value to to their work. Yeah. Well, good luck with um, the launch of the book. It'll be out this fall. Can people learn more. I know they can learn more about your company, but also the book. Do you have a, a website that you would share for people? We do. So if, if you go to emergeinteractive.com slash podcast, what we're offering for the guests uh, on the show today is anybody who would like to pre-register, I will send a free uh, digital copy of the book when it launches uh, this fall and they can get uh, that. And there's a little bit of additional information about the book and, and what's coming there. All right. Well, thank you for offering that um, emergeinteractive.com slash podcast. So um, make sure everyone check that out. Um, I'll I'll put that link in the show notes so everyone can find that. They can learn more about the book and they can learn more um, about you, Jonathan. So um, again, as we wrap up here, our guest has been Jonathan Hensley, CEO of Emerge Interactive and his, uh, his book coming out real soon, Alignment. Jonathan, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest um, and for talking about that and for being willing to share and and, and reflect upon um, mistakes. I really, really appreciate that. It's not easy to do, so thank you. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.